but you know, mm-hmm. you still had you still had a great bit left. Guys, I made a rookie mistake. You didn't record. I didn't press record. <laughs> <laughs> morning, afternoon, and or evening, everyone. And thank you for tuning back in with us. We are your hosts. I'm Nick. John. And filling in for Kyle, I am Seth. And this is the Genesius Podcast, where a few Catholic dudes talk about movies. How are you doing today, guys? Uh, it sounded really... How are we doing today, guys? That's all right. Just got, yeah, you'll get, you'll get there. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, we're getting back in the flow of things. Yeah, right? we're back. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, not so great. Kind of sucks. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> no, it, it's great out. Weather's fantastic. We're yeah. sipping some some uh, vodka sodas, and yeah, I mean, it just we are uh, we are deep in a softball season now. Yeah, yeah we are. Uh, we are knee deep. It's it's just a really nice day outside. Summer's finally hit, and you know we're mm-hmm. we're having fun. Do you do you actually do you play softball with cleats? Do you have cleats at this point? I do. Okay. Granted, I should I should disclose this. They're not softball cleats. They are soccer cleats, and mm. I can't tell you how much crap I've yeah. gotten for that. But they're lighter. I, it makes sense. I also uh, wasn't an athlete growing up, so mm-hmm. I can't really tell the difference. Yeah, I mean, so I I looked specifically. I went to like Dick's Sporting Goods, and their softball cleat shelf was just gone. Like Ooh, I couldn't find softballs. Go to play it against sports. Well, I I got lucky. Well, the, the problem is some of us have really big feet that you can't find stuff yeah. to play it. <laughs> I actually. Wait, what's, I, your, what's your shoe size though? Uh, twelve. Twelve. So is mine. You were able to find some that fit that weren't like garbage. Yeah. So this Surprising. this is where I got to give okay. a shout out to my buddy Dave, um, who we're praying for you, bud. You're he's off uh, getting a pretty intensive medical procedure done. So mm. um, yeah. yeah, we're keeping him in our prayers. But yeah. he actually he was able he lent me uh, a pair of softball cleats that were like perfect because he also happens to be size twelve. So I was playing with that, and I immediately just noticed how much easier it is to run around mm-hmm. on the yep. dirt. Um, oh yeah, yeah being able to like get proper grip and it just it improved my running game and for once my my legs didn't feel like crap after softball um which was something that happened the first two weeks so yeah that is that is awesome i think uh, a lot of improvements being made and although i struck out my first time uh this past thursday and uh, like at bat yeah at bat oh. uh, but i made it i made it three weeks uh, to my first strikeout, and so my batting average is still pretty insane, I would say. Um, so I'm happy with that. I don't know if they let the players see their own batting average. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, you're doing really good for your I'm first sure season. I'm sure it's good. That's true. I just I don't want to. This isn't Moneyball. I'm not Brad Pitt. I don't. <laughs> I don't care to know yeah, if I get we, on. We played your team. On Thursday, actually. Now, wait, did you, were, were you the, no, we won both. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your team did better than mine. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> it was pretty solid. You, we were, we were coming off of a, of a shutout week, you, so. Well, you got, I mean, you guys didn't beat us by much either. No, it, it was but, a very close game. Okay, but like, you had Brian in the outfield. Mm. Right? Brian's a beast. I, like, I hit at least two, two, Brian, if you're listening, um, I know we've had this conversation, but I, I got to give you a little grief right here, man. Not all the balls I hit came to you. You <laughs> definitely ran for more than one. <laughs> and, uh, and, well, and Well, that's why you got to do line drives to get like yeah. in front of the outfielders. You got to get just over get, the yeah. infield and 
have been into the outfield, look, but not I, unless you're hitting some home runs. Like, look, go man, <laughs> I hit I hit two inside the park home runs mm-hmm. this past fall season. If he didn't snag those, mm-hmm. I would definitely have done it again. Yeah, just want to throw that. Just want to throw that out there. They are fun. I'm I'll trying. S- my goal is to get over the fence. Yeah, yeah. This year, not necessarily the season, but this year, I, I want to mm-hmm. get over the fence. I don't have that power yet. I'm content with that. Um, Brian, if you are listening, please take me off third. My arm sucks. <laughs> I, well, how are you going to get time, better if you don't last practice? Time I, that? Last time I threw to first, I threw to home. Um, <laughs> but also, Brian, if you're listening, like. Thanks, thanks for listening, man. Shout out to you. Yeah, man. Shout Brian, out to you. We, cool. we, we love you. You're Just cool. know that. <laughs> all right. So, you know why we're all here, gentlemen. We're here to talk about movies. Yes. Let's talk about movies. What movie are we talking about today, Nick? So, we are talking about um, a movie that I, have at this point, have only seen once. Uh, but one that I've been told is very good. We are talking about, gentlemen, The Book of Eli. Hmm. Mm. Okay, John, when did Book of Eli come out? Uh, it came out in January 14th of 2010. That was a, a, yeah. Yeah, it was a really interesting time frame. They had a lot of uh, post-apocalyptic fiction coming out then. Hunger Games, the books were kind of in their heyday. Um, this was just a really big time in general for post-apocalyptic fiction, uh, which I think is mildly ironic. I hard to believe <laughs> that Hunger Games, like... Came out like ten years ago. It's old. Yeah, I remember. Uh, at this point, it's basically vintage. Yeah, I remember <laughs> <laughs> that vintage post-apocalyptic fiction, man. Ages like fine Bordeaux. Well, it doesn't age at all because post-apocalyptic, you know, happens after the apocalypse. <laughs> Although, not that we know. We're not in that. We're not in that part of life yet. <laughs> yeah, some of us aren't. <laughs> it does make only, you wonder. Only you, John. Oh, only yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, I do think it's interesting that society keeps dreaming up ever more imaginative ways that we somehow destroy ourselves and then how we supposedly recover from it. And hilariously enough, all of the post-apocalyptic fiction usually addresses pre-apocalyptic issues. In That's like, a good mm-hmm. point. In societal interaction. Yeah. So in, in Book of Eli, it's religion and how religion can be used to manipulate people. Um. Mm. In some ways, because that's that's part of it. Yeah, um, yeah. that was an inter- That was definitely an interesting point that that I was really thinking about. Yeah, um, Book of Eli, directed by the Hughes brothers. This is Albert and Alan Hughes, and uh, quite interestingly, there's not much here um, beyond Book of Eli. I know Alan did. Uh, did solo did a solo thing in a uh, 2013 Broken City, which is I'm pulling it up right now. It's a neo noir crime thrill crime thriller. At the neo noir crime thriller, starring Elma Fudd. Actually, Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark, starring as a police officer. No way. And That's Russell cool. Russell Crowe as the mayor of New York City. That's hilarious. Really, actually interesting stuff. Uh, 2017, The Defiant Ones as well, which is a documentary miniseries. And then Albert Hughes has done Alpha and The Good Lord Bird, which is really, I have the no clue Lord what that Bird. is. That sounds like a very bizarre movie. Yeah. I've never seen any of those. I've never, you, I've I've never, never even heard, heard of those. <laughs> that is really, really interesting. Um, it's a it's a historical drama miniseries. So you can look that up if you're interested to learn more about that. Um, 
so yeah, the Hugh Brothers directed this, had a budget of $80 million and a box office of roughly double that at 157.1. I have a feeling that it probably broke even when you think about marketing costs. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. That is, if they... Did they do much marketing for this? I... I do remember vaguely some marketing. I'm going to be honest. Uh, when this came out, I didn't even know this movie was even a thing. I was mm. probably in seventh grade when. The, yeah, I was in yeah, seventh we, grade when this we came were, out. We were in middle school. Uh, well, yeah, Seth, I, I okay, was in Seth and I were. <laughs> John, do John, you remember you any old, marketing for this? No. You, you old fart, John. <laughs> Jeez, John. <laughs> You're not in our um, age group. But it was definitely part of those like post-apocalyptic stuff. Oh, 100%. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like the, with the genre being really saturated around that time, we have some very interesting critics or critic and audience scores here. So we're taking this from Rotten Tomatoes. We've got a 47% critic score and a 64% audience score. So I think in general, audiences are much more lenient towards movies than critics are. Oh, yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. think also critics tend to feel specific ways about movies that audience members might not necessarily care about. I What I'm curious to know, I'm going to see if the Wikipedia article pulls up the cinema score um, mm. thing for this, because cinema score is, is audience-based. Um, uh, Metacritic gave it a weighted average of 53 out of 100, which mm. I think is much more, like, averaged out. <laughs> Uh, that's surprising because like I felt it was filmed very well like the action scenes oh, were there really were some easy good shots in that movie yeah, yeah and like the coloring of it like it was very faded um, in the sense of like almost black and white with like some uh, until tones. until you get to yeah. the end though yeah and then it's a lot more colorful when they get yeah, yeah. anyway we don't <laughs> well okay listeners I'm sure you already picked up on this but spoilers galore yeah, yes. yeah. for every yeah. episode huge spoiler warning <laughs> well, if, if you're listening this one though there's a very big twist oh, and we will be spoiling so that for yeah, sure we're gonna spoil it so yeah. so if, uh, if you haven't watched the movie yet um stop now go watch it which you can find it on netflix and then come back yeah i'm serious it, that's how i watched we, it we were also able to rent it for really yeah cheap, we rented so. it on i think it was like apple tv it was like four bucks i'm actually nowadays i'm kind of a big proponent of of paying like the five or six bucks to rent a movie it's not bad on yeah in, in comparison to like a theater ticket you know uh, mm-hmm. it's it's actually it works pretty well if you want to just be able to watch the movie to say you've watched the movie you spend a couple bucks it supports you know the royalties and and you know the people who made it those movie theaters deserve to be supported they do um, like I've watched a couple pretty great movies recently that I'm the I t- and if you know me you know exactly one of them that I'm talking about. <laughs> it deserves to be seen on the big screen. Well, mm-hmm. and and actually this is a really interesting point. If you want to talk about supporting movie theaters, um, buy concessions at movie theaters because believe it or not the box office is not how a movie theater makes most of their money they do it well, through the concessions it's like a bowling alley too yeah. like it's not just the bowling do you guys remember actually, movie yeah. pass oh vaguely i had a friend of mine uh, his name was daniel who was like big in a movie pass when it was kind of at the height of its frenzy and they wanted to cut into grabbing a share of the concession revenue eventually from theaters and with that being the main source of revenue for movie theaters, uh, I think it was like either AMC or or some big theater chain executive was like, we are never going to work with this company. 
Um, we're never going to give up that revenue because that's that's how they make a lot of their money. So it's box office, think of the box office as how you support the studios and the creators who make the movies and the concessions are how you support the movie theaters. So I will never well, look it, at movie theater experiences the same way ever again. <laughs> Especially the last couple of years, it's been really hard for yeah. movie theaters, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I Thanks, see, COVID. Movie theaters <laughs> yeah. make dope popcorn. They some some do. Some, well, some that's a good do. point. That's a good point. Yeah, I I don't know why I used to work at this like one off uh, movie theater um, back near St. Louis where I'm from, and they uh, shout out to Lincoln Theater if they're still I think they're still around, but um, I would never get tired of the way they make popcorn. Their popcorn was the best. I will just say it. Nothing has topped it to this point. There was yeah. There's a there's a movie theater in. The Falls Cedar, remember Falls, where I went to college. Um, shout, shout out to the Falls Cedar too. Yeah, I, I went there so many times in my undergrad, but they, yeah, like one, they were cheap. It was like mm-hmm. uh, at the time I went, it was like three dollars, and then they mm-hmm. had another auditorium, so movies were five bucks all around. But their popcorn, oh my gosh, you guys, like that stuff was good <laughs> yeah i worked at lincoln for a summer and they like the other people were like you'll get tired of the smell i never got tired of the smell it was so good that first batch coming out yeah mo- what <sighs> movie- really does like his popcorn yes movie theater popcorn though like in general is hit or miss but generally it's good yeah mm-hmm. generally anyway we're, we're getting off track a little bit <laughs> <laughs> we're just saying support your movie theaters support yes, movie please theaters. support your local cinemas it is it is yeah. a really unique experience um wear a mask if you feel so inclined um if that's something that you that that you need to you feel like you need to do at the moment there's yeah. also no movie going experience like the the movie theater yeah mm-hmm. so book of eli um has a it's a pretty middle of the road in terms of uh ratings and I know that uh, one of the things we wanted to include in this is a USCCB consensus. So USCCB, if you're not aware, many of you listening probably are, is the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, and they have consensus. They have like basically taglines that they they have they movie have. reviews on like everything. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they they review content, um, and I'm sure that kind of carries over to a lot of other local news publications as well, Catholic news publications. Sure. But uh, what do they say about this movie? This unexpectedly contemplative and lyrical, if violent, homage to spaghetti westerns, martial arts films, and religious faith follows a lone hero, played by Denzel Washington, as he traverses a post-apocalyptic landscape using his considerable fighting skills to safeguard the only exact copy of the King James Bible. Director siblings Albert and Alan Hughes have succeeded at making an entertaining and relatively substantive movie Wow, words. While refraining from saturating the proceedings in blood or prolonging the violent passages. Still, some moviegoers will find the pairing of scripture with stylized aggression unnecessary and avoidable. Intermittent strong violence, including gun and sword play, and a killing intended to be merciful, much rough language, some crude language, and brief sexual innuendo. The USCCB Office for Film and Broadcasting Classification is L. Limited adult audience. Films whose problematic content, content many audience, uh, many adults would find troubling. The Motion Picture Association of America rating is R, restricted. Under 17 requires accompanying parent or adult guardian. Yeah, so in general, it is a more violent movie. It's not something you're probably going to show your kids. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Probably not. Um, it is interesting that they, they question the necessity of the, the violence. I think the violence is inherent to the premise 
um, in a lot of ways. Uh, obviously, this is coming directly from the USCCB, so I am not going to challenge a scholarly board oh, of, of yeah. bishops and such. I, I feel like in that type of world, though, it's like it would be hard to go by without having any violence whatsoever. Yeah. Well, and, and to be fair, and this is something important, is that the main character does not resort to violence unless he's attacked. Mm-hmm. This is true. So from a certain perspective, it from does. From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Um, they do try to avoid the the main character tries to avoid violence wherever he can and it's only Mm -hmm. when he's threatened that he has to take action oh yeah and actually an interesting point is in the movie he he asks he prays for forgiveness in this regard Mm -hmm. he does do that he does he says you know I thank you for all the good things I've done and I can't exactly what remember what words he uses but he's like I I ask for uh, I ask mercy for all the bad he did. He does also say later. In, it's like later in the movie that he got that he got so caught up in protecting the scripture that he forgot to live by it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That was yeah. one of the posts that I had written down. Too. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so this film actually even manages to touch on on uh, religious fanaticism, in a sense. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a really it's really cool. There you can't say there's not nuance in it. So so I I do want to say that like one thing that we could lead off with that I do think is very poignant for the entire movie is the quote of to walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, yeah. I wrote that down too. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think yeah. that ended up in my notes, but um, uh, but it's, it's very on the nose. For oh, this movie. after like I'm not even joking. Like for the next few like the next few like days. Granted, mm. I watched it two days ago, but yeah. like that, that had the walking by faith and not by sight thing has just stuck with me. Like, it's mm. really made me ponder that and be like, what? Like, like I've thought about it before, but like now it's just yeah. like, man, especially in the context of this movie, like, what does this mean? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. My, one of my personal favorite quotes from the film is from a Michael Gambon. Who, we, who, if you've watched Harry Potter film Professor series... Professor Dumbledore. Dumbledore. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite lines, and, and I think there's a lot of insight here, is, uh, the China. So, <laughs> well, this, that this is, is supposed to be family friendly. I'll bleep that. I'll bleep that. Uh, that was not the direction I thought you were going. I'll, I'll bleep that. They're definitely, he like, me and Seth watched it together, and that did stick out. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote that down. Um... <laughs> Just, just cause or just cause. Well, well, because I, I think it, it made sense in the context of that scene for sure. Yeah, she's uh, like, of that. save the there, China. There are, there are more important things than saving the China, definitely. Yeah, I think this gotcha. is a it's a commentary okay, on materialism mm-hmm. and <laughs> I'm just making stuff up. Um, all well, right, there was that whole point where um, Solaris and Eli were like talking. Um, the, the one evening. You mean Solara? Uh, Solara, sorry. Solaris. <laughs> Solara. Okay. Hey, they're both. They're both. Okay. Okay. They both they're have both, solar in it. Yes. Which is interesting, just in the sense of when he finally met her, that's when his life changed. That's fair. This movie which brought is to you by fair, Solar Power. Which is uh, solar sun, the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
the Flash, and not the superhero, but the, the event that caused the apocalypse in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, but, since since we're now talking plot points, I think it's <laughs> no, I think it's worth getting into the summary here. Um, so this this movie opens up. We've got a post apocalyptic yeah, yep. Earth with the the cat. The cat uh, starts eating a dead person. Yeah, and then the cat gets iced. So so um, I know right, right away. Right away. So so being one of the the only people out of the three of us that had seen it before. Is definitely where you start noticing that he is spoiler blind, <laughs> and he has to like make noise to signify the cat to start coming towards oh, him. Oh, yes, I didn't think so about they that. So actually, yeah. they have a lot of detail throughout the entire movie of indicating that he is blind. Yeah, they do. As, as soon as they revealed that, which by the way, like the way they revealed that he was blind was very cool. Yes, I was. I was literally like. My butt was on the edge of my couch. I'm like, no way. Yeah. I, I like kept, Wayne's I World style. Tell, no way. I kept having to tell Seth, just wait for it. Just wait for it. <laughs> I was chomping at the bit. I was like, I think I know what's going on. No, you um, don't. So, yeah, so the cat starts eating a dead person. The cat mm-hmm. gets iced. Frankly, that I think is a mercy kill. The cat looked miserable. Um, I mean, but it was definitely the, the thing was what I think they did very, very well with this film was to show and not tell. Yeah, yes. everything from the beginning, which is ironic and, considering the main character is blind. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so the cat, the cat dies. Uh, Eli's got dinner. Um, he's walking the desert. I have walking the desert as its own bullet point mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, he finds a house. The guy inside done hung himself. Uh, he's dead. I, 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 well, it's implied he hung himself, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. But, hey, Eli got some sweet kicks, though. He was able to get the shoes. He takes the shoes, specifically. Well, he, he first, so in his initial journey, he finds the person that's in the car um, and feels yeah, his feet. Yeah, he's got nothing. Doesn't have the shoes, and then he goes to the house. Um, and Fresh then his kicks. initial reaction is not... To be stunned by the look of it, because like if you notice where his face is, he's actually stunned by the smell. Yeah, of body. yeah, that, that's a good yeah, point. that's a big hint toward his blindness. Yeah, that yeah. is eventually revealed. Which the smelling thing is scattered yes, throughout it, the entire correct. movie. Yeah. yeah, he's like, do you smell the salt? Yeah, and Solar mm-hmm. is like, what you talking about? What? Well, and um, the first like action scene, he smells the. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the ambushers. Yeah, before they're they're there. So. Yep. Does doesn't he like talk? He, I I I mean, like there was a lot that happened. There was a lot I was thinking about. But doesn't he like make a comment? How he's just like, pro tip, don't stand downwind or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I or, uh, it would be upwind, I guess, because then the scent would be blowing toward him. No, it's downwind. It's oh, downwind. is it really? It's downwind. Yeah. 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 Okay, might be. Um, uh, no, you're good. But I thought that like. Yeah. That's, I'm so surprising that the critics don't really like it because like that entire scene was done oh, so, it's so well. good. Because like yeah. especially like the framing of the bridge and like them all being in shadow. But, I, I uh, will say this for a budget of eighty million, which is still a, a, a big budget movie, right? Very considerable budget for sure. Yeah, it they make a lot work with not two hundred million dollars, which is what Marvel puts into almost every film now. At least two hundred million. Oh yeah. Um, and if you think about what Marvel gets out of it versus what they do with eighty million here in the book of Eli, they do an incredible job of really making 
making you feel i'm gonna sound like an ign critic here <laughs> making you feel like you're in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland but um, you but like you want to feel like you're part of the story that's like what makes movie magic so great yeah mm-hmm. yeah they so there you'll notice there are not a lot of very wide establishing cgi shots here they'll do a couple but they mostly keep it very tight in the sets feel really small it's um, very self-contained very self-contained and mm-hmm. and so it's it's really interesting uh to look at at this and kind of notice how tight it feels spatially um they do not try to do a lot of the sweeping cgi vistas that you find in in most modern movies so anyway we'll get us back on track here so he finds some sweet kicks at this house uh later that night he's got his his campfire he's eaten the cat he feeds a mouse also i think a little bit of irony (laughs) Um, i I did i did chuckle at that (laughs) yeah also (laughs) it's a cat it's a yeah it's a cat (laughs) uh but a couple things i'd like to point out here um three things specifically discount ipod (laughs) yes (laughs) beats by dre Oh, I didn't catch that. Yep, yeah, Beats yeah. by Dre. That's hilarious. Uh, KFC sanitizing wipes. <laughs> and also, that was great. so he's using the, so he's he's listening to music on his discount iPod with Beats by Dre earbuds, which I think actually one of the funniest parts about post-apocalyptic fiction is how much they managed to sneak in product placement. Yes. Where this, and it, it's like, it says something very specific, like this product will survive a nuclear apocalypse. And he's listening <laughs> on Beats by Drake earbuds. The KFC wipes will survive the apocalypse. The KFC wipes will survive the apocalypse. Hey, man, KFC is finger licking good. I'm sure it survived worse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're in like what, those little plastic metal, almost retort kind of pouches? Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but he is scarred. Like, he's cleaning himself off with these wipes, and this dude has seen some stuff. Um, well, yeah. in a manner of speaking. Get all the blind jokes he's, in now. I mean. He's going to get me with that one. Um, um, yeah, you, walk, well, you walked right into that, though. Yeah, he's... But, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I definitely got the impression, too, of just um, what it'd be like to be homeless mm-hmm. in this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get a... You get a really interesting sense of like this is a traveler. You know, he's on the mm-hmm. road all the time. He doesn't stay anywhere. What? What? Okay. Was the him cooking the meal? Wasn't that after the ambush? Um, or, I don't think so. I think it was because he got ambushed like right after he got the cat. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Um. Eli Parsons, he demonstrates many. Okay, so they don't spe- say specifically here. I, I, I can't remember exactly what happens. Honestly, the, the, the order in which they happen is not super yeah, relevant, yeah. but at least at the start of the movie here. But I at least I wrote it down first, so I'm assuming it happened first. If it didn't, then I must be dying of dementia. Yeah, n- never mind. <laughs> never, never mind. You're, you're right. Uh, yeah, because I, I have it in here, too. Because yeah. he prays before eating. Yeah. Yep. So he's really scarred, but he's reading this book. And you can tell this book matters a lot to him because he's got it wrapped in a cloth. And he... Mm-hmm. Very, very delicately unwraps the meticulously unwraps the cloth, takes the book. I mean, at out. this point, I think audiences are pretty like it's pretty clear what exactly this book is. Yeah, yeah, it's well, not it's not a secret. It's one of those things that they don't actually tell you his name until like the very end of the movie. I noticed w- w- that, which is interesting. Yeah, especially since like I mean, initially having the title where they had it is the book of Eli. You can pretty much think that Eli that he is hmm, Eli. I wonder if he has that's a book. Eli. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
No, and, and by the way, I should point out at this point, his name has not been revealed. The fact that he's blind has not yet been revealed. Yes. Um, so it's like within 10 minutes of each other, they reveal I was actually, both of yeah. I, I know we were doing spoilers, but when you just dropped that right away, by the way, he's blind. I was like, really, John? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were going to reference it plenty of times. And it had to come up eventually. It did. It did. Yeah. So after he spends the night by this campfire feeding a mouse... The mouse looked really cute, though, Loki. He's on the road again. Uh, He finds this lonely woman at the shopping cart. Psych! It's a hijacker group. Yeah. Um, They're they're a bunch of thugs, including one with a chainsaw, I might add, which is Oh, that was... Oh, gosh. I was like, how on earth is he going to fight? And then he started fighting Daredevil style. My, My question is... How did people find gas, like refined gasoline in a post-apocalyptic world? You think that stuff would all be gone pretty quickly. Um, regardless, that's just one inconsistency I always have with this stuff. But anyway. Do, do, do you think there's any significance of when he's in shock, he says to kiss him rather than kill oh, him? Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I don't think so. <laughs> but that's a really good point because that is an odd line to write. Yeah. Kiss him. Like I'm not, I'm not like that dude. But I'm, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure one of our listeners will will know it and let us know. I'd be curious. I didn't know yeah. if it, like, I don't know, with Judas betraying with a kiss. But I feel like Ooh, I may, that, maybe, I know, maybe. But, mm, um, that's a stretch, though. Yeah, if I that's, might that's say, a... <laughs> if I may be so bold. Uh, Listener, if you have better insight on this than we do, like, let us know. We clearly all need to go to a community college and take a critical media literacy course. <laughs> that um, sounds really cool, actually. I'm not going to lie. Depends on what they make us read. Um, Fair. So it, I, I definitely got the impression from that, though, that she, like, wants to follow him, but he doesn't allow it this time, right? Like, oh, it, he doesn't it's trust kind of her. Are we talking about Solara or the shopping no, cart No, lady. the shopping, the shopping cart lady. Lady. Okay. Because yeah. she wants his help, but he's not, like, willing to give it at that point. Like, his main mission is to journey west, and that is everything depends on that. Yeah. Um, but he still has the mercy to leave her with wa- her water. Yeah, he almost, he, he checks her water and ends up leaving it for her, which I think is a really interesting thing. It's like, you know, the measure that you measure out people will be measured back to you. Well, and um, to a certain extent, he only killed the people that were attacking him. Yes. Like, he left her alone. She was clearly yeah. no... She's bait. She's no threat to him. Yeah. Um, hmm. So, moving up next. Uh, yeah, he leaves her with the water. He comes across this destroyed overpass, Bush Beer. There's a trailer. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, comes across the destroyed overpass. Why Bush? I don't of know. all things. At least it's not Keystone. Um, that, that was a very disturbing scene, though. That, that was. Yeah. So a um, bunch of bikers roll up on this older couple. Yeah. Um, oh, And yes. just yep. kill them, pretty much. But, uh, but I did think that one of the main points was he's, like, still on his mission. Stay in the path. Yeah, Don't stay try on to the save path. them. I do have um, that take quote. Take the high road. Like, I, on the I, high wrote road that, I wrote that down, they're too. They're on the low road. Yeah. Yep. Right. That's a very, yeah, it's a very clear indicator of, like, he's very driven. He's very set on his mission. So he goes into this town. Um, J. Crew. Martyrs, uh, martyrs for a you know post-apocalypse, but we're still dressed and fly. Martyrs um, for a charging a device. I'm assuming it's a little battery he uses to charge his his discount iPod. Yeah, but he barters for charging this device with Zippo, uh, Zippo lighter, and oh some gosh, more uh, yeah. more KFC wipes. I, I, I did think this was the first point in which they said like to check out his hands. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the the. 
the guy, what's his name? Um, Lombardi is the, this is the name of the character played by Malcolm McDowell, uh, actually uncredited in the film, as so far as I know. But yeah, he asks to see if he's got the shakes. Wait, are we talking? No, Malcolm McDowell's at the end. He's at the very end. He's at the end. He's the guy at the very end of the movie. Oh, apologies. This guy's almost like the engineer. The engineer, Tom. Tom Waits. Okay, I I completely missed that. Then that would be Tom Waits. That tracks. Yeah, that tracks. So, um, Tom Waits is credited because he did have. He was in more than one scene, but he asked to see uh, Eli's Eli's hands. He's got the shakes, and Eli's like, Nah, I don't roll like that. Right. So, um. This is where I think they take a really good opportunity to introduce another aspect of post-apocalyptic society, which is, uh, which is bartering. Mm-hmm. So he's he's the guy says, "Do you have the coin?" But rather than take out money, he takes out other useful things. Because money, well, at, money at yeah. this point, like, mean anything. Yeah, yeah it, it's not relevant. Yeah, it's all about what you have, not mm-hmm. not how much money, how well, much wealth you have. It, it's an interesting point, especially since they bring it up later. Yes. Um, when he's talking with Solara. Yeah. Uh, Not Solaris. Like... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to let that hang over you for a long time. Oh, I don't even have it written down as Solaris. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, of just that they fight over things that they used to throw away was just the point of, like, for instance, these, like, clean wipes and stuff yeah. have so much value. I think one of the characters and, in the film says, we lost an understanding of what was precious. Yes. Yeah. 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 And especially I mean, like even, just what the high value of like the essentials are. Yeah. That's yeah. that's something that I think we can just. I think that's something huge to think about because I would say that even today we lose a lot of value. Like in the apocalypse, the apocalypse hasn't happened yet, but like we take a lot of things for granted, like clean water. Yes. Yeah. So that's. I was I was talking with someone yesterday, and and there was a question. It was like a conversation starter question of like, what are small luxuries in life? And I was like, you know what? Shout out to clean water, man. Mm-hmm. Honestly, though. Yeah. Well, and not even, even just it. like music. Yeah, music. Some people just like listen to it all the time and take it for granted. Yeah, it's, it's just... a heck of a lot cheaper than therapy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. I digress. Um, getting back on track here. So, but, I, but therapy is good. It is. Don't take therapy for granted, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is It is very good. It, it's actually helpful, I think, for most people these days to, to have some kind of therapy. But anyway, um, at this point, after the bartering, the guy's like, all right, I'll charge your battery, whatever, for you. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we're introduced to the book guy, Carnegie. Yes. Um, yeah. Played by the one Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Of Sirius yeah. Black and Commissioner Gordon Finn. Yeah, that was the, from the Dark yeah. Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's who I. That's where I yep, recognized yep. him from. Um, so he is trying to get books. This this yeah. biker, which by the way, the same bikers who killed that couple earlier. Yep. yep. They dump a bunch of books on his desk. He looks through them. One of them being the Da Vinci Code. One of them that being the, the Da Vinci only, Code. That, I know. Interesting. Right, I, know, I know. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but can we like, can we talk about? His motivation for wanting the Bible? No, because we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I'm gonna preempt you. I'm gonna preempt you. We can, no, I, I like the blind thing. I'll forgive it. This we should wait to talk about this he, until he, listeners. He's forgiving the biggest spoiler of the whole movie. Yeah, but, but actually, the reason the reason I say I that we had to though, it was because of, like if you are like it's something that they keep 
They do keep alluding to it. Movie. Yeah. Reason reason yeah. I'm stopping you there is because I actually do have it specifically written down in my plot summary. So oh, we will see. we will yeah, talk yeah. about it. We, we might want to just go a little bit faster though. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. So uh, <laughs> we're on a timer here, people. All right. <laughs> so yeah, Carnegie's getting books. They're not the books he wants. He tells the guys to go get refreshed. Um, but he does get some shampoo, mm-hmm. um, which he then proceeds. Now that's a luxury. Yeah, which he then yeah. proceeds to give to his wife, concubine. The relations co- probably relations concubine. Yeah, the relationship. That's a little I don't unclear. feel like he would have been married. Oh, no, heck it does no. not seem like a very. I would marry that uh, guy. Who would? <laughs> um, but then again, who wouldn't marry Gary Oldman? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, Eli goes to the bar that's downstairs from Carnegie. He gets his water filled. Um, the biker gang gets irritated because he accidentally touches the cat, which since yeah, you were making yeah. the note about him being blind, he accidentally kind of shoes the cat away. Yep. Um, it's a mean kitty. Yeah, but then one of the biker dudes comes up and is like, hey, you slightly offended my cat. I'm not happy about that. And Eli proceeds to just <laughs> well, destroy him. Well, he... he it's... At some point I have in here, uh, you, you will be held accountable to what you've done. I, I had that yeah. I had that too. Yeah, because Eli recognized him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah, he had yes. to have. So yep. it wasn't just him defending himself. He was, he felt in some ways that he was giving retribution um, to what they did, which is an uh, interesting, slight conflict against his whole modus operandi for the film. But... Mm. Um, Regardless, he beats the crap out of this biker gang. Just mm-hmm. absolutely destroys them. Um, Carnegie kind of surrounds him and captures him and offers him a, a, a job. Um, so, so one second. So when yeah. he was uh, fighting in the circle, he was quoting the Bible of like he yeah. was yeah yeah. yeah. So from, I, the, I think from the Book of Genesis actually. Mm-hmm. I, l- I looked up the verse. Okay. Nice. Uh, do you want to give the verse to... Uh, yeah, so it's uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 18 to 20. Yeah. I mean, you, we don't have to necessarily read it, but that's in case people want to... Yeah. It, right. Yeah, if you, if, if, you, if you happen to have a Bible on you listeners, like, just, just look it up. It's <laughs> yeah. in there. Or watch the movie. But I, I think that was like... <laughs> I mean, I'd hope at this point they actually have watched yes, the movie. Yes, I would, I would hope so as well. <laughs> but I think that's almost kind of um, calling on God's help, right? At, at that moment, at least. A mm-hmm. bit I suppose, like yeah. Scripture. Yeah, so uh, Carnegie kind of surrounds him after this fight. And the interesting part that happens again is they ask about the shakes. And uh, this is where it kind of catches on to me that, or at least I caught on, that it has to do with whether or not you are, um, I have the word carnivore here, but that's not it. It's cannibal. Cannibal, yeah. Um, if you're eating other humans, because there are people who do, and it's causing the shakes, which I believe is a, is a reference to a specific neurological disorder that you risk when you eat other human flesh. From what I understand, um, it, it talks about later in the movie. It does. That's yeah. messed up. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Carnegie offers Eli a job, and Eli refu- uh, refuses it. But you know, Carnegie's like, "You should stay the night, so I can buy some time. <clears throat> I mean, so you can enjoy the hospitality <laughs> yeah. of yep. our of our village." And, and by hospitality, what he actually meant was. 
basically he sent he sends Solara up to his room. He sends well, Claudia well, first. Well, there's there's multiple oh, things. Yeah, like he he wines yeah. and dines them, and then yeah, like, yeah. wines and he, he dines very, them. He very much butters him up. Yeah. yeah. So he and, first he offers food and water via Claudia, his his concubine, significant other. I don't know how how what should I call it her? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, Claudia it's, is yeah. blind. It's revealed mm-hmm. that she is blind, like right away, too. And, right away. And, and he asked, like, were you blind from birth or were you blind by the flash? So that's the reference of what happened. Yeah. At the, at so the another bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. They talk about uh, a war. They talk about the Flash in this movie, and um, it's not really explained in in specific technical detail what happens, but it is with implied like the fl- with the Flash. Yeah, it's implied mm. that it's a nuclear holocaust. It, yeah. That's yeah. What I that's get. yeah. It's like something like that, or even like with in the sky. The, right? Yeah. Or like even like like I I was kind of thinking of the Maze Runner a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, mm, mm. with the whole solar flares and like the zombie people that wanted to eat everybody. The, the only thing was, uh, there he said it was like the what, zombie what, people. What, actually, how much of how much of those books have you read? All of them. Okay, so you're aware that that's actually man caused that part. More spoiler. No. <laughs> oh, it's been a while, so but, I kind of yeah. forgot about that detail. Yeah, that um, was that was caused by the government. Anyway, was, was there was, is there anything behind? Um, so, for instance, he's wandering around for thirty years. And then it was what thirty days that people waited underground before they came out after the flash. Is what he? Um, I think it was a couple th- months. He said something like two months, maybe. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I forgot that. I think I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, that yeah, there was there was some kind of big I think nuclear war. Um, that it just destroyed everything, and people eventually started coming out and realizing it was you know, post-apocalypse. I, I think there... So, sorry to go back a little bit. Um, when he was initially talking with Carnegie before he locked him up, mm-hmm. um, he said, like, there's something about whether or not there was a choice. <laughs> of, of, like, he's just like, oh, I'm going to, like, you're going to work for me and you, you, we're going to make you want to. Yeah, I wrote... And then yeah, he, there's yeah, always a choice. There's always a there's choice. There's always a choice. No matter what your circumstances. That, that stood out to me, too. Yeah. This is... This, I think, actually strikes at a pretty critical point of the movie when it comes to faith and and that is that there is always a choice it's just that sometimes this choice is to die for what you believe in walking by faith not yeah, by sight yeah walking by faith not by sight yeah so in a sense Look at that it's coming full circle you know yeah Eli's <laughs> choice in this case was to join him or possibly risk death and he um he would rather not join him so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh he gets put in this little hotel room um, Claudia comes over, delivers food. She's blind. It's revealed. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Carnegie sends Solara, who is Claudia and his daughter, um, to seduce him. And he refuses because he lifts his name on high. Lifts God's name on high. Mm-hmm. And not and that. <laughs> but I, I seen where it showed him actually reading it. Yeah, it um, is. But he was kind of like crouched down and they had it away from you. So it's that you didn't also, know I think the other significant thing about this scene to note is like, because I, I definitely saw this not only as like Eli's journey to to safely get the Bible to where it needed to go. Yes. But yep. this was also the start of Solara's conversion. Mm. Yeah, this movie features a conversion story because yeah. as because like he offers her, he because like he offers her food, yeah. and then she and she starts saying she's like no wait sit, close your eyes, mm-hmm. and he starts praying and like in the next scene with Carnegie and Claudia, 
she's praying. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how Carnegie knows. That's, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. how he knew. So yep. Solara finds this book and questions Eli about it, but he refuses to talk. However, instead, he decides to show her and prays with her over dinner, which he decides to share with her. So Showing, the, not telling. Yes. So the next day, um, Solara comes in with to have breakfast with her, with her mom and with Carnegie, who's getting a shave. And uh, she prays with her mother. Mm-hmm. And it's implied up to this point, since Carnegie has been introduced, it's, it's heavily implied he's looking for a specific book. This is apparently the book he's looking for mm-hmm. because she is now praying, which at this point is something that is lost to everyone except a few people who yeah. know of what the world was like before. And so now Carnegie is, is intrigued. Um, so uh, he interrogates Solara by torturing uh, her, her mom mm-hmm. uh, in front of her, and he finds out about the book. So he goes to confront Eli, um, who has escaped his room, because he wants to go get his battery so he can charge his iPod, his discount iPod, <laughs> yep. and yep. listen on his Beats by Dre earbuds. Um, but not the awesome mix. Not the awesome not mix. The awesome not mix. the awesome mix, Volume 1. Uh, so Eli goes out into the street. He's quickly surrounded by Carnegie's men. And then this is where Carnegie talks about the book. And this is where, Nick, you were alluding to I, earlier. I do think there's also a good point of like, what would the world be like without the Bible? Yeah. And that's kind of just like how Ooh. the society is at that point of being like run by. I never instincts. thought about that actually. Well, um, and, and this is, this is actually part of Carnegie's kind of big monologue where yeah. he talks about, he's like, right now, the only things I have to motivate people are food, water, and sex. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. He directly says, those are the three things. He's like, if I have this book, and this is where he reveals his kind of grand idea, if I have this book, I can motivate them spiritually by being a spiritual figurehead. So he wants this book. He's essentially weaponizing He wants yeah. to weaponize. Yeah. He wants Correct. to weaponize the words of the Bible because he understands, and this is the interesting thing about... Um, about the angle that this movie takes. He understands the Bible has power. Uh, and he is trying to use this power as what he would claim to be a very selfless goal of building society, but he's very much so taking it from an ends justify the means kind but of this scenario. Is, this is more I, I or less... I don't think it's a moral thing that he's doing at all, though. I think he's like literally trying to use it to... Yeah, no, absolutely. Rule of people. Yeah. And that's not the intention of the Bible at all. Yeah, but he's he he justifies it by saying he's trying to effectively rebuild a society. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there is something to be said of, like, how the Bible is interpreted. Um, that I think that there yes. is a reason why we have, like, authority in the way of, like, how they interpret it versus... Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So Carnegie gives this big monologue. This, I mean, I was, I was going to say, like... Yeah. This is more or less how the devil tempts us. Mm-hmm. He he'll use truth to lead us down the wrong. Like he'll he'll use some truth to lead us down a path. Like every single lie that's told, there's always a grain of truth in it. If you really think about it. Well, and for instance, how long was society saying that that was Christian? That was saying that slavery was okay. This is true. Based on things that they had found in the Bible. And it's just, they were interpreting it completely wrong. 
Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah. Carn- basically, what Carnegie does is not that different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to accelerate the plot here a little bit for the sake of time, um, but we can continue to to take side conversations and and bring them in because there's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Carnegie confronts Eli. He has this big monologue, and it, it leads to a shootout. Uh, Eli just decides to walk away. Which I think was fantastically done, because they all shot right before he shot. So he yes. knew where yeah. they were, based on sound, not based on sight. Yeah, so he flips around. That was and... some real Matrix-level yeah. stuff that was going on. Yeah, he flips around, and, you know, as Danny DeVito says, I just started shooting. He... <laughs> He starts destroying everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's shooting everyone and actually pretty severely wounds uh, Carnegie in the leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he skips town. Uh, Solara tries him. Yeah, follows him and takes him to the town's water source, which is known only to to her. I assume her mother and Carnegie, which is a water spring, an underground water spring. Um, and so she allows him to have his fill of water. Um, and as they are going to leave, uh, Eli locks her up and, you know, says that she's basically not fit for this journey. Mm-hmm. So he's gone. Because he's still set on his one goal. Yes, he's set on his one which, goal. Which again comes back around to he's so caught up on his mission yeah. that he's forgiving to live by the mission he's protecting. Yep. Yeah. So what he doesn't realize is he is well in the midst of converting this young woman's heart to Christ and uh, in essence, is is so focused on just the word of God itself that he is completely forgetting about this other wonderful, beautiful thing that's happening. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he locks her up and he he leaves. Carnegie is like, just flat out, we got to go after him. Mm-hmm. Um, I need this book. He wrestles up a, a convoy, uh, GMC. <laughs> yeah, the brand. We see a GMC, <laughs> couple GMC trucks. Oh, yeah, coming along. You point at me. I'm just, just like, why are you pointing at me? <laughs> just pointing out though that um, his his main guy right under him, whatever commander you could say. Yeah, Red Ridge. Red Ridge. Race, yeah, yeah, Ray Stevenson. Yeah, um, and then he wants uh, Slar for himself to yeah. Help so him. so Red Ridge is about to bounce, but he uh, he. He barters with Carnegie and says, "I, you know, I'll help I want you, her, but I want her." Um, Just saying, a warrior in red. Oh, yep. <laughs> Just saying. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, he barters and is like, "I'm only going to go after. I'm only going to help you and lead these men if you'll allow me to have this." And Carnegie laughs. It's interesting his reaction. He laughs. But he doesn't say no, and it's pretty clear that he, you know, Redridge has made a smart move on his part, at least, to get what he wants. I think this is also the start of seeing what will happen later. Yes. Oh, exactly. 100%. Yep. So, uh, Eli continues walking down the road. Um, Solara is manages to get out. It's not really shown that she gets out, but clearly she gets out. Um, she gets attacked by. Isn't that the same? It's the yeah. It's the, the same, same cart grocery lady? Yeah, yeah. shop cart lady. Yeah, but just with a, a couple other different dudes. Um, they attack her. Eli. Eli comes in and rescues. Whoops them. Mm-hmm. Beats the crap out of them. So um, and this is this is a significant point of it's the first time that he's straying from his path. Of yeah. Like, of like he, this is my one. He has decided goal. to. It's, say it's also the first time. He, 
that he's just like, all right, you can come with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and yeah, a couple and, things and, happening there yeah. at the same time. And, and I think um, of this point, too, what, what is interesting is just, uh, well, I mean, first of all, the lady doesn't actually want Solara to come towards her anyway. She's no. like trying to. She's like, no, I need a but, dude. But uh, secondarily, I, I, I think the main part of this scene, too, is. Um, afterwards is when they're talking of him kind of showing that he does know the bible very yes. well and like going over he recites uh, psalm 23 yep exactly yep. they they are at the night fire later on um resting and eli quotes the bible to her um and he explains that his bible is the very last one mm-hmm. and that god has called him to it and is leading him through this literal figurative and desert desert mm-hmm. to out west where supposedly it will somehow be safe and, and um, this is where the quote of walk by walk, walk by faith not yeah. by sight walk by faith not by sight yep. this is actually where eli's name is revealed via a name tag yes um, oh yes, yes. that that's yeah. right that's where that's revealed. So up till this point he's nameless and uh he gets asked once who are you? And he doesn't respond. He just stabs the guy, <laughs> which is a curious response. It's a-, a la Joker, almost Heath Ledger's Joker from the Dark Knight, um, in a way. But so I, I do find this interesting because, like, so moving on from just sure. Uh, the next thing that they do is they go to this house with the with yeah. Professor Dumbledore and <laughs> Madame Maxime. Now yep. we know why those two uh, wizarding schools got along. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's the Harry Potter's the crossover. Yes. Um, <laughs> With Sirius Black in hot pursuit of the Bible. Yeah. So Eli and Solara, they're captured by this old couple who are played mm-hmm. by these this respective actor and actress. Um, and uh, Eli pretty quickly figures out that these are cannibals because um, they have the shakes, which yep. at first you can kind of excuse for them just being older. Uh, but no, they've got a whole supposed graveyard in their backyard, which they make yes. a point. I'm going to be honest. I did not catch on to that at all. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We they, were kind of talking about the, the shakes initially. Well, and then it was really, like, like with the tea, it was just like shaking all over. I should right? really okay. watch. I should they, really watch these movies with you guys. Because <laughs> here's the thing. There's a simple check that they've established up to this point where it's like, show me your hands. Mm-hmm. And um, interestingly, they make a point of trying to show Eli and Solara this graveyard they have in the backyard. Like, see, we don't eat people. We we bury them. And Eli's like, bet. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and, then, and the thing is, she said, uh, well, my husband is very resourceful. Yes. And you're just like, mm. God, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so they, Eli and Solara are pretty much about to leave. Um and it turns out Carnegie and his convoy have been tailing them. And so these two cannibals, this elderly cannibal couple and Eli and Solara are forced to defend themselves. Thankfully, it's like a home alone situation. <laughs> and they've got like a whole chest full of guns. So many booby traps. It's great. I, I legitimately think they'll like... At this point, like based on all the things that he's saying and whatnot, is that it's like it feels like his journey is being led by something. Because like, for instance, how on earth would they have come across this one house that happens to have what they can to defend them against this uh, convoy? This one farmhouse in in, like the middle of literal nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And they happen to come across it. They happen to come across it. (laughs) Yep. What are the freaking odds? What are the odds? So, and and this is also where um, Eli mentions like. I know that you and I will get through this, is what he's saying to Slara. Yeah, he's and like, then, and then he looks at them. He's like, 
But not he didn't say anything about you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, that, I got that got a laugh out of me. He looks at Solaris like, I know we're gonna get through this. The older couple are like, what about us? And like, nah. didn't mention you. <laughs> Um, and, and then, and then they like both two die. Seconds later, yeah, they they both die because an RPG comes and goes kaluey. Yeah. Um. So this whole fight ends. Uh, Solara and Eli are forced to surrender. Carnegie threatens Solara for Eli to give him the book, and he gives it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carnegie shoots him uh, in the gut anyway. Yep. And interestingly, this is like the final like jab that Carnegie gives Eli as he tells Eli to pray for him mm-hmm. and then oh. follows, follows it up quickly with, I mean it, pray for me. Which is a very disturbing thing. Like he's already so caught up in this idea of using religion as a weapon that he will... Trying to play God himself. He will basically. play God. He will mock the the enemy that his supposed enemy that he has now defeated. Um, I, I think for me, like this is a whole point of just like, is there doubt in Eli of his mission? Yeah. Oh, yeah. he thought that I, he was absolutely. protected. He thought that, like, he was in the right. Um, yeah. Which he was. He but, oh, he definitely but, was. But like, how much faith would it take in that instance of like you were shot in the gu- in the gut and you have like no means of like you don't have your your main mission that you think. Yeah. To at this point. Interestingly, there's there's only really one thing, one other critical plot point that happens in this movie that kind of seals everyone's fate. And that is on the way back, Solara's been captured now. She is Red Ridge's property, I guess. But she very obvious like yeah, there's a very obvious thing where he pulls out the yeah. knife, sets it on the dashboard, he, and you're like, something's going to happen. He with pulls, <laughs> yeah, that, he, I'm, I'm sitting there like, that's probably stupid. He pulls out he pulls out Eli's long knife and it's just like oh it's you know really nice he sets it on the dash and then right after that um solara finds a way to she basically chokes the driver and the vehicle Mm. goes out of control and rolls um and in this rolling the knife flies up from the dashboard and and somehow just impales red ridge yeah uh, and kills him which i think it's interesting that he did not try to fight anymore after that he was just mm-hmm. in such shock that he just kind of pulls the knife out gets out of the car and just dies there on the yeah. road so so i felt like i don't know why but they made this very seem like a conversion for red ridge it, uh, i don't know it, kind, it was interesting kind of, yeah because like he pulls the knife out and then he goes and like he kind of just accepts it. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He um, I know that too. I think this would be what Eli would describe as shock. Um, <laughs> so but it, it was just something like it seemed like he, he. It wouldn't be like something that you would think that he would react that he, way. Yes. So they he rolls the car. The she rolls the forces the car to roll. Uh, Redridge dies. Uh, Solara successfully uses a grenade, which it exploded way more than it did way more than it should have for movie standards. Um, but probably it, why it got that forty-seven percent credit yeah, rating. That, it that was, right it was there, a little ridiculous. That right there. Yeah. So the third car gets flipped. The only car left is Carnegie's, and he determines that she is not worth the effort to save because the the one piece of leverage that he needed to keep Redridge on his side is gone because Redridge is dead. Sure. And so he's like, she's not worth it. Let's just leave. We've only got enough fuel to get back. So at this point, the whole plot is basically sealed. This is the last main action point of the movie. Mm-hmm. And and where that final big twist is revealed. Yeah. And so... The one that we spoiled I, I, I think at like, the beginning of the episode. 
if you're gonna be, I think the shootout at, at the house was kind of like the climax. Yeah, it was the climax oh, for yeah. sure. Um, and and so at this point, the movie kind of cuts between Carnegie and then Solara and Eli mm-hmm. as they finish their respective journeys. And so Carnegie, uh, so. Eli makes it uh, to the West Coast. They're in San Fran. They cross the Golden Gate there, Bridge. There's one. There's one thing that I think we forgot to mention. Carnegie has the book. He has the book. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Carnegie yeah. did take the book. He does. I, I, he does I do the think one thing also to mention is that despite not having the book, uh, Eli continues his journey. Yes. Yeah. He continues. And, this, shot. and, and, and this is well. This is also when he realized, man, like. I didn't live by the thing I was trying to protect because I was trying too hard to protect it. Yeah. He even well, says that on the and, ride across the Golden Gate Bridge. And Ridge. I think at this point, he's already realized, hey, I spent 30 years reading this book. I know it by he heart. He knows it by heart. Yeah. That, that was incredible. This yeah. was actually a very calculated move on his part. Um, so at this point, it cuts between the two perspectives. Solar and Eli make it to San Francisco. They cross the Golden Gate Bridge. They paddle out to Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. And he says, I have a King George Bible in my possession. King James Bible. King James. Thank King you. James, King yeah. George. Yeah. <laughs> King George is not the king we're looking for here. Mm-hmm. Um, no. um, yeah. King James Bible in his possession. Um, thank you for the correction. They take him in and it is revealed that uh, not even he really knew this, but out on Alcatraz Island, there is a printing press, and there is a mm. man who is has made it his duty to preserve as this, much of the world's this literature. This is Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, this yeah, is Malcolm yeah. McDowell. Apologies for my earlier snafu. Um, it happens. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so he he has never seen a Bible before, and so this is where you realize this is how the Bible is safe because it can be transcribed and reprinted. But Eli does not have the Bible anymore; he has it memorized. And so there was a really cool shot top down of Malcolm McDowell transcribing his words. I'm getting goosebumps just you talking about this. Because this this was, to me, this was the coolest thing in the whole movie. Eli has shaved his beard. He has shaved his head. He is bald. And he is adorned in white, almost like a prophet of old. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure it's heavily implied. I love how they, like, as he was transcribing the Bible to the guy at Alcatraz, the, Mm -hmm. the the printer, I don't know what really to call him, but how they flip between that and Carnegie as yeah. they're revealing that the Bible he was carrying is filled with Braille. It is a Braille. It's King a James Braille Bible. King James Bible, and they're. I don't know. I just thought that was one of the most it, well edited. What's what's it, 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 the whole movie? It really makes the point of like God was working in this in the sense of from the very beginning. Like, he was the only one who could read it. He was the only one who could read it. Yeah. And so Carnegie gets this book, and he can't open it because it's locked, and he doesn't want to damage it, so he's not going to force it open. Because to him, this is this is his weapon. He wants to right. he wants to he, preserve he it. He understands it's sacred, yeah. but he wants to use it as a weapon regardless. Yeah. He understands it is sacred, but it is it is precious to him because it is a weapon, not because it is sacred. And so he doesn't want to damage it. He eventually gets the engineer in the town to open it up, and it is revealed that it is in Braille. Um, and this is also where the reveal comes that Eli is blind. Um, Carnegie attempts to have his concubine, Claudia, read the book since she is blind. Um, and it's she refu- She says she can't. It's pretty clear that she can because she feels the pages yes. and her, eye, her face lights up as she realizes what it is. 
This is like again walking by faith, not by sight. It's like this is where it really all comes full circle here. Yeah, and and so she refuses to tell him what what is in the the Bible. So she ironically ends up being the key to be able to read this, and she will mm-hmm. no longer do it because he has no more power. He has spent all of his men and resources chasing this book, and his town is now descending into anarchy already. So I, I honestly I. I hold the belief that even if he had been able to read this book, it would have been too late already because yeah. he's already played his hand and mm-hmm. he's lost. Uh, well, he's won, but he's lost as well. So two simultaneous endings. Eli gets the book transcribed. Carnegie has the book, but cannot read it. Um, and at the very end, it Eli, there's a voiceover from Denzel Washington as Eli mm-hmm. of this prayer that he is saying his job is done, he's finished the race, he's mm-hmm. kept the faith. Fight the good fight. Yeah, yeah, and he goes to his rest in having fulfilled his mission. And this mm-hmm. is where Solara's conversion really comes full circle, too, yeah. because because yeah. the guy's just like, you know, you can stay here, you'll be safe. She's like, no, I need to go back to my town and help them. Well, and, and like the mission to spread the gospel. Yes, it's yeah. the mission to spread the good word. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so good. I love this movie so much. <laughs> yeah, the ending. The ending <laughs> is really, really satisfying um, because there is certainly a lot of loss that happens throughout this movie, and uh, to to sort of know that it all works out in the end, it does really feel like, in a way, that God has been working through all of the events going on in this movie. Um. And it's just, it's such a, at least to me, it was a very engaging, um, very engaging thing. Which, by the way, script was written by Gary Whitta, who has done a lot of Star Wars stuff, too. Ooh, that makes me very happy. Um, he's actually, he's he, he shows up quite frequently on a lot of the kind of funny podcasts where they talk about Star Wars stuff. Man. Uh, you did have me want to write a note for the archivist was not particularly religious. Yes, yeah. the archivist was not particularly religious. I, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm. Um, so he is interested in the Bible as a historical literary work more than... That's true. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. So it's interesting that even even though most of the world is, is secular, you find that this historian of sorts is still still understands how invaluable it is. So where Carnegie's... Uh, sort of, you know, almost atheistic view is that this is just a weapon for him. Mm-hmm. Um, That's also uh, a point to bring, bring up of why there is only one left is because they all they burned, burned them the Bible. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. That's yes. actually... Versus I'm, like any other book. I'm surprised yeah. we didn't talk about that earlier. <laughs> but yeah, so Carnegie <laughs> sees this as a, wep- as a weapon. Eli understands it to be the word of God. Mm-hmm. And he believes and he really, he really was the prophet of the movie. He was. Yeah. Um, hence why it's called the Book of Eli. Dun, uh, Eli. Dun, da. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Lombardi, as a historian, believes it to be priceless for a much more innocent reason, which is it is such a historically and culturally significant thing that it needs to be preserved because that's what that's what his mission is. And so you and, and like how God can work through. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Absolutely. So, the Book of Eli, gentlemen. Final thoughts? We've got a couple minutes here. Uh, this, yeah, this is one of the best movies I've seen. Like, well, one of the best, like, not just release movies I've seen in a while. I would, mm-hmm. I would very say... Much, it's very much worth visiting. I think yeah. it's, it's one of the more... 
substantive post-apocalyptic works I've seen. I think a lot of them try really hard to comment on like society as a construct as it exists in certain forms and this was more about it it definitely had book of eli definitely had some commentary to that effect but it was also more of um a a directly religious and abstract premise um where you actually there's a lot to dissect in how it's made how it's shot how it's written um and all of the characters different perspectives and motivations i think i think for that reason it ends up being it has its own place i think in post-apocalyptic fiction for sure amen to that i think it kind of goes to show just like how the word of god can survive throughout anything yeah Mm -hmm. um absolutely and just how throughout all of history that has still stayed walking truly walking by faith and not by sight yeah full circle absolutely um thank you for joining us today everyone be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to uh with your podcast to be up to date on all the new content that has come uh if there is a movie that you would like us uh like to hear us talk about um on this show if you have any insights that we might not have discussed you can feel free or you just need prayers um shoot us an email at geniusiuspodcast at gmail.com that is Genesius, G-E-N-E-S-I-U-S, podcast at gmail.com. So with that, let's close out in prayer. Sure. Um, and we'd like, to, we'd like to dedicate this particular prayer to, we, we mentioned a little earlier, but we'd like to offer this prayer specifically to Dave Newman, who is getting surgery, who's getting surgery on Tuesday. Right? I believe on it's Tuesday. Tuesday. We, might, we might not have that correct. But. Um, so let's, yeah. Let's get let's 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 pray, guys. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together today to discuss to discuss you and discuss how you truly work in everybody's lives and just how powerful your word is and how it can endure anything. Um, we just pray that uh, we'd like to offer up this prayer especially to Dave Newman, our good friend who is getting who's getting surgery on Tuesday. We ask that you really be with him. And we also ask that you help us all to really walk by faith and not by sight. Because once again, your your word endures all. Uh, we we lift up um we, we lift up our prayers today as well as any personal intentions we might have as we say, glory be to the Father, and to the, the Son, Son, and to, to the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for joining me today. Um, and thank you, listeners, uh, for tuning in with us. Uh, signing off here, we are your hosts. I'm Nick. John. And filling in for Kyle, I am Seth. And this is the Genesius Podcast. God bless everyone. Take care.